Check Me Out is a production of Panhandle PBS and Amarillo College's FM 90 and is recorded at AC's Washington Street campus. J. Michael Straczynski wrote a story back in 2009 called Grounded, where Superman became disillusioned with humanity and decided he was going to get back his hope in humanity by walking across the United States. And that's like all Forrest I have Gump. to say about that. <laughs> you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Check Me Out, a podcast for book lovers. I'm Amy Hart, and today we're going to be talking about comic books and graphic novels. This one is titled Boom Pow Wham. Yeah, perfectly, right? We have two guests with us today, so why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody why you are here. Uh, My name is Carrie Thompson, and uh, I've been reading comic books most of my life, and I am a huge, huge Superman fan. My name is Ryan McSwain. I'm uh, the author of Monsters All the Way Down and Four Color Bleed, which is, and my second novel is a superhero novel, so I love them a little bit too much. I guess I never, uh, they always think you're going to grow past that, but <laughs> no. I, I don't think, at this point, I think it's probably just forever. I yeah. mean, once the gray gets in the beard and you still want to read about people punching each other in capes, <laughs> but I also have, I, I like a lot of different comics. I like independent comics and I like comics from the 40s and 50s oh, yeah. and 60s so i have a pretty wide cast a pretty wide net so and you guys have never met comics. correct until no we today? are not until about five minutes ago so <laughs> i went out there and i was like save her for the podcast he so. li- I, I said he likes all the right stuff so this is gonna go great oh this is gonna be great okay so let's start with how did you get into comics you want to start ahead. with this you have a great I, story okay um <laughs> i actually got into comic books my father loved comic books and uh when my parents split up, comic books were anathema in my house. Like, you're not doing it. But my dad being my dad, he sent me books, uh, a bunch of little digests that I read. And uh, my mom finally stopped fighting it when I was about eight. She took me to Mrs. T's comic shop in Wichita Falls, Texas. And uh, I picked up Superman 22 and Legion of Superheroes number 50. And it was like riding a bike, jump right back in. It was a little confusing because, of course, crisis had just happened. But uh, I, <laughs> I started then and I never stopped. Very cool. I All love right. that. Yeah, for me, I vividly remember uh, being a kid, and I w- it took me a little while to get into reading, but then I found comic strips and Calvin and Hobbes. I don't know yes. about you guys, but mm-hmm. I think I think Calvin and Hobbes saved a million kids who had a oh, little definitely. trouble getting into books. So after I got into that and reading Peanuts and Garfield and all the great comic strips, and then I remember one day at school, a kid handed me a, cap- a copy of a Captain America comic, and I read that thing. <laughs> And before the teacher took it away, I'd already <laughs> fallen in love with it. And from that point on, it's just more and more comics. And in high, in high school, I discovered things like Watchmen. Yes. And Man Alive, that blew my mind. I didn't know what Great to do with book. it. So from there, I just, I just kept reading. So what was it that first intrigued you about comics? Was it the illustrations to go along with it? Um, is it just the perfect moment at the perfect time, the perfect age? I mean... What was it that first grasped you? I mean, you said Calvin and Hobbes, and that's interesting because I think a lot of times, you know, I'm friends with a couple of teachers that are like, we're still pushing these old books that people don't, you know, kids of a certain age are really bored by these books. And so they end up not reading because they're boring. Was it the excitement of having the visual to go along with it? Uh, That helped. Uh, Also, I I always like to read, but uh, Book It was really big and... Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as my teacher told me that my comic books or my digest counted, oh, I was all in. Oh, that's oh, cool. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, for me, I think it's the blend. It, you, it gets you involved in the story in a very different way. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I'm an, I'm an author, so I'm just, I love the words and I think that can create a whole world. But sometimes I think that comic books might be the best way to transmit information there is because I mean, you get the visual and the words, you get the visual and it, it, it's so in a good comic book, it's so seamless. Yes. It just flows into your brain and it's this whole world. It's fantastic. So I'm assuming you both read graphic novels as well. Do you oh, prefer yes. to read one over the other? Like, do you follow a certain comic book? Um, I try to go issue by issue, but um, like, uh, for instance, there's a book coming out right now called Doomsday Clock. Um, it's been plagued with problems, but uh, it's super delayed. And as much as I'm enjoying the story, I probably won't touch it again until the trade or the graphic novel comes out because you get it all in one fell swoop. And it's a lot easier to keep the flow of the story as opposed to getting a book this month and then five months pass before you get to the next part of the story. Does that have anything to do with Watchmen? It's actually a proto sequel to Watchmen. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. For me, I, I collect comic books that I think are really cool when it comes to single issues. Like I go, I've got a, I buy silver age comics, not really valuable ones, but ones that are valuable to me. Right. Right. Like there's like this old, I was talking with carry out in the hall, there's this old Superman story called Superman Red, Superman Blue from the '60s, yes. and it's it's like one of my top five. So I finally got a cheap, cheap copy of that, <laughs> and it's never going to sell at an auction. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I love it, and like I've got some old ones like that. But for me, uh, a comic book only lasts. You know, it's a very short piece of entertainment. Right. I mean, they used to be disposable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's such a short piece of entertainment for me. Uh, it's not. If I do it month by month, it, I don't get the same enjoyment out of it as I do in like a graphic novel or a trade paperback or even the comicsology because right. I read a ton of digital comics. So. Oh, yeah. So I um, brought some things to carry one time. Somebody sent me things from D.C. From DC. He, he worked at D.C. and uh, I was like, look what this guy sent me. And he's like, oh, my gosh, this illustrator. And I was like, oh, you're like, you're like really into this, like more than I even knew. <laughs> so who are your favorite authors? Who are your favorite illustrators? Like, that's a big one. That's a tough and, one. And if you need to name a few, you absolutely can. See, this is why I brought notes. See, this is <laughs> smart. That's smart. No, um, it, it's still a really hard question. Uh, some people that I'm always enjoy. I love Grant Morrison. Oh, by far, I love Grant Morrison. And uh, what do they do? Oh, For Grant, those of us sorry. who don't know, you're right. Grant Morrison <laughs> is a, is an is a is the writer. Uh, yes. Most of the time, when I it's not very fair, but a lot of times when I think of comic books, I think the writer, and then I think the 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 penciler mm -hmm. and I don't always give the credit to the other people that I should in my head because Inker letter. And, yeah inkers <laughs> deserve a lot more credit and I, I, I get this will show uh, I'll get I'll talk to people online yeah and they'll know all the inkers for like Jack Kirby no, that's and fair. they'll know which ones make him look good and which ones they right. think make him look garbage I'm like oh man but it's Jack Kirby it always looks great so <laughs> I don't always get caught up but sorry I like Grant Morrison I love I, I like a lot of Alan Moore but I yes. his newer stuff I haven't enjoyed very much the stuff for Avatar it's out there it's <laughs> it's out there and it's uh, it, I don't feel, I don't think it's up to the quality that he was mm -hmm. at in the 80s he's another writer as far as artists go I don't think you can go wrong with Mike and Laura Allred oh like perfect. everything they've ever worked on is fantastic Mike Mike Mignola, Mignola is just, Hellboy yeah yeah Hellboy is anything he's ever drawn mm -hmm. I love seeing so uh, like I said, Jack Kirby's a great artist for oh, everything yeah. in the sixties. I, <laughs> there's so many great writers and artists. There's a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. I, oh, I might gosh. get burned for this, but I love his dialogue. He's another writer. He's and a writer in the strictest sense and it's good. Yeah. I it's love it. Fantastic. And of course, Neil Gaiman wrote Sandman and yes. I know he doesn't do comics much anymore, but that was just phenomenal. 
Anything you can think of, Carrie? Um, well, I agree. Grant Morrison is probably one of the top five writers out there right now. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, he's currently writing Superman and soon to be Legion of Superheroes. Yay. And then uh, I might get roasted for this one, but uh, <laughs> I do uh, Frank Miller. I like his early stuff. Here lately, he's been a little wacky, but uh, the 80s stuff, especially Dark Knight Returns, phenomenal. And uh, with artists, uh, I might get roasted for that one too. I love Keith Giffen, his uh, kind of blocky style. He designed the well, the world of the Legion of Superheroes in the 80s and 90s, and that's what I think of when I think of that book. So Keith Giffen, definitely. And uh, Ethan Van Syver, or Seaver, however you decide to say it, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> For somebody like me that does not read comic books or graphic novels very often like i've read Watchmen, um but um are there different i mean obviously there are different styles of drawing and there's different yes like can you name some of the different styles or are they just the way that the artist draws i mean is it well it depends um i say it depends um some people draw the same and never change uh over the course of their career but then uh, I mentioned Keith Giffen earlier. He used to be very kind of traditional. Um, he used to have an inker, Larry Malstead, that inked him very well, and everything was very linear, and it flowed. But then right around 1989, he started getting inked by uh, Al Gordon and Mike DiCarlo, and his style changed to very square, very blocky, almost kind of abstract a little bit. Mm. And he's kind of blended the two now to where, like, you know, it's he grew, which is good. Mm-hmm. But then you have someone like John Byrne who really just draws the same. He probably shouldn't ink himself, but his art is very good. <laughs> um, I should have mentioned this guy earlier. Scott McCloud is one oh, of my yes. favorite creators. I also forgot Charles Burns. How oh, terrible yeah. is that? I love that guy. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, Scott McCloud, he wrote this incredible book called Understanding Comics. And it's been out a long time now, but I still don't think anyone's really beat it for a comic book oh, no. about comic books in terms of what art is and things. Right. And that's cool. And he Why has they like, do what they do exactly good. like how they work. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's been in print now for forever and you can't, you can't go wrong with it, but he, he actually makes a graph and it kind of goes from really simplistic drawings like Charles M. Schultz with like his illustrations and peanuts. And then you can get up to very photorealistic stuff right. like Alex Ross. Definitely. So, uh, and then I mentioned Charles Burns. I was reading a comic book by him, so I would have something to talk about. <laughs> and he wrote some stuff recently for Pantheon after he finished nice. uh, after he finished Black Hole. And it's a series of graphic novels. And he'll switch between sort of a Tintin type illustration oh, nice. to kind of his more type. So you can even have one story where it'll be different styles of art, even mm. by the same artist. Right, right. And some really good ones will actually. Uh, some, I really enjoy when different artists work on one book because you can see different right, styles. It, it flows. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. So has there ever been a time that you picked up one and you went, oh, I don't think I'm going to like this just by the look of it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. And yeah. is it, I mean, because you obviously, Carrie, you follow Superman. Yes. And so, and it go, obviously Superman's been around a long time since yes. when? Since 1938. Yeah. So since the 30s, we've had a lot of different writers, a lot of different uh, 
you know, illustrators and things oh, like yeah. that. So, so was there a point in the Superman history <laughs> where you were like, this is terrible? Um, well, there, there, there were a couple, <laughs> a points, couple of times, but, uh, yeah. the one that sticks out the most is, uh, I guess from 2002 to 2003, um, the writer was Steven T. Siegel and his story was good enough, but the art was done by uh, Scott McDaniel and, McDaniel had drawn Nightwing and Batman previously, and it looked great, but his art style was not complimentary to Superman. I can't even tell you what happened in that story because I just <laughs> blocked it out. Wow. But it was bad. What about you? Uh, well, it's it's kind of hard for me to nail down because I'll usually give things a chance. Mm -hmm. Like there's this, I, I, I like Fantagraphics comics a lot, and there's this like uh, Dame D'Arcy. Yes. Yeah, she has a really weird style, but once you get into it, it's fantastic. And it looks really messy, but right. and that's the thing with a lot of independent comics is you'll look into it and you'll say, I have to give this a chance for yep. a few pages or even a book, and you'll get into it. And sometimes it's just, it's a little too messy. And that's <laughs> the only time it really, like when it, it just looks, when it looks, uh, I guess unfinished is, right, right. it distract it, it but sometimes I like when it looks unfinished, so it's if hard it works to say. for the story, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's about it for me. You just say, "Ah, I'll skip on past that." That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to ask the the really tough question. This one's going to be easy for Carrie. But I don't know. Well, that's fine. Uh, DC or Marvel? Oh Lord. Um, well, I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> well, if you would have caught me a few years ago, then yes, I would have definitely been DC all the way. Um, there are definitely things that each company does that I love. I do think Marvel Marvel was definitely taking the market share a little better, in my opinion, until probably about six, seven months ago. And DC's trying to make a comeback. And I'm happy for that because, you know, when the industry's doing good, they make more comic books. And I've already proven I'm going to give them all of my money. Oh, sorry, Jessica. There you go. Oh, man, for me, this is a tricky one because if we're talking golden age, it's DC, DC. stuff easily because there's just not that much Marvel. Superman S came first. Silver age, <laughs> I couldn't tell you because they're both fantastic in oh, their own gosh. ways. Because in DC, the imagination was off the charts. Right. But then in Marvel, like every decision they made was perfect in the yes. 60s. Like every one of those characters makes them a billion dollars a day. It's crazy. Yeah. I feel like in the 80s and 90s, DC respected its readers a lot more. Oh, yes. In terms of uh, they had more mature stuff. They had the Vertigo line, and they right. came out with Swamp Thing and Sandman and all these comics that were right. so far above. And Vertigo is something where Marvel just totally dropped the ball with Epic. So Definitely. Vertigo comics had these really great runs of really mature comics mature that were themes, really intelligent yeah. with great art, great writing. Not every Vertigo comic is great from that era, but most of them are oh, very Sandman, good and worth Hellblazer. reading. Sandman, Hellblazer... Yeah. You, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Doom Patrol. <laughs> Doom Patrol. Shade the Changing Man. So yeah, yeah, we've got all these ones you could go on forever. <laughs> but the thing is, in more recent times, I've kind of dropped out a little bit more on Marvel and DC. That's fair. And I would say uh, nowadays, uh, it seems like Marvel's picking up the slack. But I feel like Image, as far as a comic company that's just really putting out creator -owned. mature, creator-owned yeah. comics that are still really open to people. I think Image is great. I love Fanagraphics, and I love uh, just good. Drawn and Quarterly. So I, there's always going to be good stuff coming out from yeah. everywhere. But I'm, I, if it's movies, though, I'll go with Marvel. Can I just do that? Oh, yeah. We'll go movies. with Marvel for yeah, movies. Marvel. Sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Marvel's winning that one. So it, when did the, the DC-Marvel thing start? Why is this such a rivalry? Do you guys know the history of, of all of that? 
Well, in the 60s, uh, Marvel wasn't really a thing until the 60s. DC ruled the world in the yeah. 40s. There was only one real uh, threat to them, and that was Captain Marvel from Fawcett. Uh, from Fawcett, and they 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 sued them they, until they owned them, and they bought them. So, which is a shame because man, those Golden Age oh, Captain Shazam Marvel was so good, they're so good, so good. But anyway, uh, <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, so, in the '60s, Marvel came out, and they kind of started taking a lot of DC share, and they were cooler. In right. the '60s, DC didn't write, name the artist, but Marvel like embraced it. They had like this clubhouse mentality, the bullpen. Right. And Stan Lee, I mean, Stan Soapbox. Yeah, Stan Stan Lee was this huge personality. And so it was. The rivalry was always kind of tongue in cheek. I mean, they the two companies uh, co-own the term superheroes, right? Like they have a joint trademark, so they can't hate each other all that much. No. So I think it's always <laughs> kind of been a Coke or Pepsi thing where yeah. they right. egg each other on. And I think for for fans, it can get a little deeper than that because I mean they're paying for the stuff. <laughs> what? Yeah. In today's market, with them doing the uh, exclusive contracts, now it's. You know, some of your top creators are Marvel go. or DC. And if someone was like Jeff Lemire, for instance, doing great work at DC and then he went exclusive. And a lot of people were not happy about that. Yeah, I can see that. And I, I totally get it. it. But he's a writer trying to make money. So you go where the money is. Well, and then there's like the um, Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. I was reading about him and Fiona Staples doing Saga. And Saga is basically the great best story. It's pr- basic. In my opinion, that's the best comic being printed right now. Very good. Uh, it's currently on hiatus, but you can catch up, and it's fantastic. Yes. But I, I was wondering, why did he go with Image? You know what I mean? Like, I know Image has a great thing, but he said when he went to DC and Marvel, they wouldn't let him do whatever he wanted. Yeah, and Image, of course, is letting him have control. Reign. It aired editorial control. And with Image, they didn't say he had to work on a bunch of corporate-owned characters. Right, right. And that made a big deal to him because – You'll notice a lot of these guys, they'll go and they'll get to do their series, but then like Neil Gaiman will have to do 1602 so right. he can do Mar- uh, Miracle Man and stuff right. like that. So. For those of us that don't know, can you explain like, the different eras of... Like kind of the progression and things like that. That's fun. you. First thing, uh, this is one of those things where it's sort of like I, I promise I won't just talk. No, my, you're good. My <laughs> wife knows. I just love to hear the sound of my own voice. So. Okay, so here's the thing. It's sort of like it's sort of like with uh, with science. Mm-hmm. Like you draw lines, and they're kind of arbitrary. You know what I mean? But for comic books, you could argue like some people call it the platinum age. Like before yeah. the golden age, and that's when it was just like reprints of comic strips <laughs> and things like that. And then you've got the golden age, which started right. in the 30s, mm-hmm. and it exploded with Superman in 38. And that's when everybody jumped on the bandwagon. And uh, for about 10 years there, comic right. books, you printed them. If you printed any comic book at all, you made money because it was before kids had television. There were no video games. There were 10 any, cents. Yeah, they were 10 <laughs> cents a piece. You could, uh, yeah. Um, so, that was golden age, and that was mo- uh, there were a whole lot of companies, yes. and most of them you don't even hear about anymore, like Centaur and Ajax and all these guys. You're like, who is that? But they all made really good things, and you can actually read a lot of them. They're in the public domain now, right? And you can read them on uh, 
Oh, man, the comic book digital library. I can't remember the name of it. It's fantastic, though. I know what you speak of. I can't think of the name of it either. Oh, well, should have put it in my notes. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) uh, and then you kind of had the 50s. And after World War II came around and television became a thing, comic books died down a lot. DC cut back from all these great characters. They were the only uh, DC characters that survived that were still in print were uh, Superman. Superman, Batman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. And then three. Yeah, and then I think... Aquaman was like in backups. Yeah, he was appearing, I think, in Adventure Comics. Yeah, in, there yeah. you go. And Green Arrow was in there too. Yeah. So in the fifties, it was a real dry spell. But then Marvel, uh, they were still making things because they'd been doing Captain America in the forties. Right. So in the fifties, they were doing monster comics, romance comics, and Stan Lee was putting all, out all this <laughs> stuff with Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko and all these great creators. And then in the early 60s, 1961. Yeah, they embraced the counterculture, and that's what gave us Peter yeah. Parker. Yeah, exactly. The first ones they did was Fantastic Four, and it was yeah. a whole different comic. So Nothing good. else felt like it at the time. And like I said earlier, every decision uh, Marvel Comics made in the 60s was right. Every yes. one of those characters now is worth a billion dollars. Wow. And it's so weird to think about because they only had a handful of books. Like DC was putting out like 20-something books a month. Marvel had like eight but I'd be willing to bet that Marvel was probably yeah. might have been beating them at the time. I'm but, pretty sure they were. Yeah. So DC was slowly but surely embracing those same things. Jimmy Olsen became a hippie. Yeah. You had the Legion of Superheroes get kind of hip and trendy. Yeah. And they even started listing their artists and kind of getting some of that same yeah. personality involved. And that was the 60s, the 70s. Uh, some people call it like the Copper Age. Yeah. And that was uh, things continue to mature uh, characters would start to die like a lot of people say the beginning of that the age, silver age the end of the silver uh, age was the death of death of Barry Allen Gwen um, uh, uh, Stacy oh Marvel yes sorry yes. Who, it was Mary Allen which one was she no Barry Allen the flash oh Barry Allen I'm they, sorry say yeah he started of course the silver age and then when he died in crisis that was yeah it. spoilers sorry. oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> we made yeah, 30, back then. yeah 30 years <laughs> 30 there's years a lot later. oh my gosh a lot of comics <laughs> over 30 <going>. years <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so the yeah. 70s, things got more mature. Uh, sidekicks started doing drugs in Green oh, Arrow. Speedy. Yeah. yeah, Speedy and Green oh, Lantern. Oh, my goodness. Green Arrow and Green Lantern <laughs> had this great run about the counterculture, and it yeah. was, oh, my God. It, there were all these great comics in the 70s, and that was when they were maturing. That's, yes. And then you had the Bronze Age. Yes. Which some people would say, and that's in the 80s. And you have all these great characters and things like that. And you also got to remember during the Bronze Age is when the black and white explosion happened. Right. And independent comics like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of kickstarted that. The Crow, those were selling as well as DC and Marvel comics. These black and white comics just put out by independent, yeah. independent. So that's during the '80s, and then you have uh, Crisis, which kind of forced DC to really mature <laughs> a lot. Yes, and then that's when you jump into things like uh, 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 you mentioned Dark Knight Returns yes. and Watchmen, Watchmen, and those books over at DC really upped the game, and. I mean, we I, I could talk all day about some of those <laughs> runs in the 80s. but They were firing, man. They were good. 90s was kind of the dork age. 90s is where the pouches and Rob Liefeld's no feet started to take over. Yeah, so in the <laughs> 90s, superhero comics kind of, uh, they kind of lost the thread, in my opinion, a little yeah. bit. There were some exceptions. Yes. But for the most part, they lost the thread. But that's when independent comics, for me, were just fantastic. Fantagraphics yeah. was, could do no wrong there for a while. Dark Horse uh, was really good. Drawn in quarterly, and they were still making a lot of money after, because right. the 80s had been so big. Oh, Dark Horse has so many great properties. <laughs> and then, uh, and now we're kind of in this post-dork age <laughs> renaissance. Yes. Of, it's cool. Like it's, I, I've it's said cool. before, it's yeah. almost like 
like with all the movies, and it's like somebody wished on a monkey's paw. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember back in the late 90s, I was trying to get a copy of the first Hellboy comic book. Yeah. And so I went to a comic shop and ordered it, and it literally took a year to show up. Wow. Trying to just do that. I mean, this was before Amazon, any of those things. Oh, yeah. And so, and then since then, there's not only have there been two blockbuster movies, there's been a reboot. Yes. So that's where we're at now. Yes. It's like, I wish there were more comics. And now there's so many comics, you can't even keep track of everything. No, Do, are people, and here's the question. I know they're going to see the mo the movies, Yes, but are they still buying comics? Um, well, <laughs> they are, but they aren't. Uh, that's where the graphic novel sales have definitely jumped up. But also, uh, you know, almost like the music industry faced in, uh, you know, the late 99, early 2000s with Napster. Uh, you've got legal ways to get comics online. But, of course, there are ways that creators and whatnot are losing funds, and it hurts the industry um, from people that are downloading comics illegally, which, yay technology, but boo technology. So. I get it. Yeah. And then uh, you also get just that comic sales have been down for a long, mm -hmm. long time. Um, back in the, back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, they almost canceled X-Men. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah, they and stopped printing them for a couple of years. Yeah, they just printed reprints, and they yep. almost canceled it. And the sales for that comic, though, were probably 10 times what the best comics sell for now. Right. So I sometimes I wonder if the reason they keep the comics going is just uh, for, you know, for Marvel and right. DC. It's just so they have, they see what works. Definitely. Because comics are, it's like books. You adapt a book because mm -hmm. a book, one person writes it. Right. And they can create a whole world. Then somebody adapts a movie, it costs a bajillion dollars and you have 300 people work, you know, thousands of people working on right. it. And it's the same thing with comic books. A handful of people can create this universe and then you can see what works and then a movie can come along and jump on what worked or in, maybe in the case of some movies, what they don't know yeah. what worked, but <laughs> that's, I think that's what comic books are for now. Almost is finding things, yeah, the license proving ground. Yeah. And I don't think that's for everything, but I mean, for a lot of stuff, it seems to be, but yeah. Diehard fans are the ones making them. True. So. And so what makes what makes a comic last? Like a character, you know, obviously Superman's probably going to be around a lot longer. I mean, oh, yeah. he's the first and the originator, but, you know, you can either talk about ones that have failed miserably, right. maybe that people thought were going to be really great. You know, is it, does it come down to their abilities and their powers, their storyline? Um, does the, the, the artist, do they kill it if it's, you know, if, if the artist isn't great, what makes somebody last? I think the art is a big deal, but also the writing. The thing with a lot of these established characters is, you know, like Superman, Batman, they've been around 80 years. So you've got a plethora of places that you can choose from. As long as the character acts within the bounds of established, I guess, their persona, what they've got. Um, anytime that a lot of times a story will fail, um, it's usually when the character does something uncharacteristic. Like, you know, Batman's shtick is, yeah, he's the greatest detective. The world, No one can beat him. But it's also the fact that, you know, he's friends with the Justice League, but he also knows how to incapacitate all of them. He always has <laughs> backup plans. You know, for Superman, it's the fact that at his core, he always sees the good in humanity. No matter what, even if it's Lex Luthor, he will stop him time and time again because he believes that he can come around eventually. And that's what makes him, you know, red-blooded American born in, well, technically born on Kansas, soil, <laughs> depending on which origin you use. But uh, that's his core. He always sees the good in people. Now, if you give a story where, 
you know, Batman decides he's done being a detective and is going to be, I don't know, uh, a secret agent. It's not going to have the same flair. It's not, it's not current for the character. Like if it, they do something out of character, it's, it'll take people out of the story. And that like, for me, that's what kills it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like when they killed Superman. Well, when they killed Superman, that was within the story, and I love those creators. That was Dan Jurgens, Brett Breeding, John Bogdano, Jerry Ordway, Tom Grummet, Jackson <laughs> Reese, and uh, Roger Stern. Sorry. That was oh. pretty, really good. I'm really impressed by that. He, yeah. that. See, that's why he didn't bring notes. Is yeah, he, he's got he, it all up amazing. there, right there in but, the trap. Uh, <laughs> I love stuff like that. But yeah. uh, but he did, he did some weird things, though, right? I mean, they... They put well, him on a weird storyline for a while, right? It was very yeah, strange they, for a while. He died. He became an energy being. Uh, he had long hair. It was not a mullet. I don't care who says it was, it was a mullet. Blonde, it was right? just long hair. Wasn't he blonde for a while um, or something? I don't remember that one. No, he was Silver blonde. hair or something? I don't um, remember. Maybe that wasn't even the energy being. I don't I don't know. That may yeah, have been it. He went, he went wacky. Um, but like J. Michael Straczynski wrote a story back in 2009 called Grounded, where Superman became disillusioned with humanity and decided he was going to get back his hope in humanity by walking across the United States. And that's like all Forrest I have Gump. to say about that. <laughs> like Forrest Gump? Yes. I don't know. That sounds like it could be. Well, it would have been if he'd have finished the story, but <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he left in the middle and Chris Roberson wow. finished it. And it was just disjointed. Okay. Yeah. And see, that's part of it is these characters that have been around so long, they're, since they're part of the, they're part of the unconscious. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Superman, these characters are like the modern myth. Right. And, when something weird happens, like Superman dies, like uh, Wolverine died yeah. for a while. He was dead. Yeah. And here's the thing. Uh, th- one of the reasons I love American comic books, and I'm, I'm still reading the things, especially the older ones, is it's sort of like imagine if you could have watched The Brady Bunch, except it started in 1940 and they're still making episodes. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's sort of like how would the Brady Bunch respond to Vietnam? How would the Brady Bunch change in the 80s? Right. And that's what these characters do is when you have a character that's good, it's sort of like when you have that perfect character, lightning in a bottle, which a character like Captain America, yes. you just instantly see him, you know what he is, Superman, Wonder Woman. And even when something goes off the rails, you know things will come back. So right. let's let's talk about that in relation to 9-11. Yeah, that'd be a good example. Because that okay. really affected comics as well, right? Yeah, you want to start with that? So give some examples of that if you can. Um, um, I know both companies uh, got their best talent and did different uh, tributes for 9-11, but uh, it definitely changed uh, a lot of the the feel of the books. They all kind of inherently gained a darker tone, um, which, of course, was the writers channeling what they felt into it. One of the Superman stories at that time involved metropolis being turned into a true city of the future like somehow the metropolis of the like 25th century just popped up in the 20th so it was interesting yeah you know just normal (laughs) thursday but uh lex corp or lex luther's building at that time had morphed from one giant building shaped like an l to two towers and at the climax of the story which actually came out the month before september 11th the towers came down and then that happened. So it was, of course, some of my geekier friends were, it, it's foreshadowing. It's yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, I was going to say following, like, oh, yeah, geez, kind of doing the conspiracy yeah, like path. It's, yeah. it's not foreshadowing. It's just a coincidence. And It's, it's just a, a tragedy. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. It was It was just pure happenstance. And 
based on that story, things were going to change anyway. But I think in the real world, the writers definitely channeled their frustration, their anger, um, their sadness. And the books, all of them, DC, Marvel, uh, some of the image books, they all just took a really kind of darker feel to them. But was it comforting to have Superman, you know, because I'm sure they, in a way, became more patriotic after that as well. They did. So you have Captain Um, America, who's now fighting for a real, against a real thing again. Yes. Kind of no, like back in World War II. his mighty well, shield. You know, uh, I would say one thing uh, specifically, you had a you had a tragedy that superheroes couldn't fix. Yeah. And in their universe, that's weird. And for and Marvel it, it especially, because yeah. Marvel takes place in New, in New York. York. So you had this problem they couldn't deal with. And that's that gave you that darker turn. Yep. And then you also had, that's about the time The Authority came out. Oh, yes. Which was just disaster upon disaster. They'd have these, it was... Uh, Event book. Uh, Brian War- Hitch. Was it Warren Ellis? Uh, and yeah, Warren Ellis. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, so they, uh, it was just disaster upon disaster. And I really think that was part of the thing at the time. Right. But when you mention, uh, th- this is interesting to me, like you said, World War II, uh, I love reading Golden Age comics from everybody. And uh, there's a really marked time uh, as you read through the Golden Age comics that are taking place during World War II, you begin to see the war seep in. Right. And but they were still people, you know what I mean. Especially like uh, Japanese characters, yes. and they they still looked like people. But after after uh, Pearl Harbor, after you could see when those the comics art became kind of the caricature for it was the, ve- yeah, especially it, the Japanese it went characters. very propaganda, and it yes. was very it was flat flat out racist. Yes, very. And a lot of times, there's even there are Superman stories you'd be embarrassed mm-hmm. to read now. I was reading a Captain Marvel Junior's story. Oh, those went really and, well. Oh, some of them went. It was so bad. <laughs> and but that's what the thing is, though. Like I said, you can see the cultural mm-hmm. shift, and you can start to see how cultures change, and you can right. things things become acceptable in culture. Yes. They begin to the gay characters start showing up. Yes, things like transgender characters start showing up, and you see as things start changing in culture, they start changing in comics, and it's really interesting to see some of those things happen. Definitely. What kind of gay and transgender characters are there? And are those in major publications? Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, who is it with Alpha Flight? Uh, North Star? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they did a big deal in X-Men where he had his wedding. Um, going back to my Legion of Superheroes, uh, I didn't know much about what a lesbian was until I met Shrinking Violet and Lightning Last. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what was going on, but as I got older, I was like, oh. Oh, now it makes sense. I get right. it. So okay. and Element Lad. Yeah, Element Lad too, yeah. Legion was very that was that was my first dealings with transgender because he dated a woman named Siobhan Aaron, who for years from the seventies up until like ninety four, turns out she's been taking this pill that makes her a woman and they run out of it and she turns back into a man and but it wasn't weird or wow. like even out that like it was just two characters that The way they were written and the way it was handled, it was very tastefully done. Like, it just made sense to me. It it sounds really ludicrous when you talk about that now because you say, why wouldn't they just... But at the time, they needed this subtext. Yes. Mm. And, I mean, it's it seems very in your face, but, (laughs) I mean, it's just like Speedy taking heroin. Well, they wouldn't have said what it was in the 70s. Right, right. They have these characters. They do these things, and it brings things in. And, yeah, um, I'd say if... if, uh, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn yes. and Fiona Staples. That one has some fantastic takes Very. on different uh, different sexualities. It has a transgender character, and yes. it's all really interesting and really well done. It's one of those things where it's it's part of the culture. It's going to be part of our our cheap entertainment. Right. 
it gets into pop culture. Yeah. Do you have an obscure comic book that you like to follow that maybe not a lot of people know about or one that isn't very popular with other people? That's almost all I read, it seems like. But <laughs> you, you want to start with this one? You go ahead. I got to think that one out. I, I read a lot. Okay, let me think the weirdest one. Uh, I'll give two of them. Uh, one of them is called Tales of the Bean World. It's by Larry Martyr. It's been around forever. It's been around since the 80s. But uh, to explain it, it's, almost, it's this little ecosystem that's created in this mythical world of beans. And they have a tree that feeds them and takes care of them. I, there's no way to explain it. You ha- it's literally, <laughs> one, I think they say it's one of those things you can't explain. You just have right. to read. And I have all the hardcovers that have come out recently. And the guy is just a phenomenal creator. He's still making it. Yeah. I love that one. There's one in the 60s called Herbie. And it's called Herbie. And his name is Herbie Popnecker. And I can't remember <laughs> the name of the, cre- and Dark Horse <laughs> reprinted them. And he's this rotund young man. And the ladies love him. He's just, but he's like, he looks like a balloon almost. Right. It's hard to, exp- but those stories, are, <laughs> those stories are surreal and weird. And I, I, I have the, the full set of hardcovers. I'm super excited to have them. Uh, it's, I could probably think of weird, obscure. Let me look at my list. I'm sure I've got <laughs> something good on here. Uh, one that pr- maybe not as many people have heard of that I just, I really, really loved was The Invisibles by Grant oh, Morrison. such a, a creative book. artist. And that's one that uh, I can't believe they haven't made a show out of. Right. It's uh, it's just fantastic. It's sort of like esoteric terrorism, which yeah. does probably doesn't sell it very well. <laughs> yeah, but it's just very, uh, it's very, uh, uh, very interesting and full right. of weird references and just really mind expanding. So I'd I'd highly recommend that. Another one that's come out recently that I could mention <laughs> is called um, uh, My Favorite Thing Is Monsters. Came out from Fantagraphics, okay. and it's the first part of a two-part story. There'll be two volumes, nice. And it is it's it's up there with Mouse by Art Spiegelman in terms of just brilliance. Uh, it's it's incredibly good. Nice. So those are just the ones I'll shoot out, and I'll stop talking. Oh, you're good. You're good. You're good. You go. You've got to have some weird uh, some Legion spinoffs, even. Uh, actually, truthfully, the the weirdest or I say weirdest most obscure thing I'm reading now is probably Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because it's good. Oh, that's good to hear. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I love that book. And, uh, of course, Boom Studios just got uh, the rights to the, uh, Joss Whedon's Playground. So I'm really enjoying oh, the, cool. uh, the new Buffy reboot. And uh, Angel has also just started. So That's fantastic. Love yeah. Joss Whedon. So, Ryan, you you write your own comics. Well, Correct? I wrote a novel. You wrote a novel about, nice. about comics? Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. So when did you write this? Oh, man. It seems uh, I, 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 was, I started writing it when I was uh, uh, trying to find an agent for my first book, but I ended up self-publishing. Nice. So, uh, but I, so that's probably 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. And then I kickstarted it. To, uh, to do it how I wanted to do it because I wanted to get artists to illustrate them. Right. Uh, I found out the guy from Black Hammer kind of did the same thing I did. So nice. so if you like Black Hammer, you might enjoy it because I uh, I wanted all several characters to have little bios like in the old copies of Who's Who in the yes. DC Universe, things yes. like that. So anyway, no, I, I wrote a, this book. It's called Four Color Bleed. And you, if you like comic books, you're probably going to love it. <laughs> nice. I, I say it's about comic books, uh, nostalgia, and the nature of reality. It's about a, a guy. He was a comic book artist in the 90s, and his career 
just took a nosedive and he became a pariah. <laughs> and he starts to seek out an urban legend, some comic books that may or may not exist. And once he finds them, reality starts to change. And wow. it goes from the real world that we live in to a world where superheroes would exist. But it's not just like, it's not like Iron Man, where like the, the Marvel movies, right. where just suddenly one character starts popping up and then you have two or three. Yes. And then you have, you know, there's like eight of them running around. And right. it doesn't feel like that many. I've read a lot of stories like that about fictional comic universes. Mm -hmm. And I said, I want to do it differently. So he wakes up in a world where Atlantis is real. There's aliens. You they they study ghosts because everyone nice. sees ghosts. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of superheroes running around. So he he wakes up in a fully realized comic book universe, oh. and he has to figure out why he's there. He has to figure out what happened. He has to figure out if he can change it back or if he even wants to change it back. So that's four wow. color bleed. I love I, that. I, it came out really well. So I can't wait to read that. Lots and lots of characters. Check that. Yeah, cool. I did bring. A, awesome. I did bring copies for uh, you. So there, and my other one is there. Uh, yeah. Monsters all the way down. That's my scary book. So oh, I, yeah, you're speaking so. my language now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Thank These you are so beautiful. Much. These are really. You know, I don't books. think we ask you. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, my friend Jonathan Baker. I think you had him on the last I one. I did. He says yeah. they're be the best looking self published books he's seen. Yeah, these are. And I don't very know where nice. the bar is for that, but I really appreciate <laughs> him saying that. Uh, so you, we, you talked. You've read Watchmen. I don't think we ask you much yeah. about what comic books you like. I, I'm not. I'm like, I, I don't. I, oh, I really fine. don't. I was sent a bunch of Wonder Woman stuff from a guy at DC. Uh, found out that I love Wonder Woman, and I. I think Wonder Woman's really cool, but she's um, so cool. She's oh, cool, yeah. and I I like the story and how she you know she's she's grown with the times too. Oh, um, sure. Which Definitely. I think she's one of those that throughout all the different historical things, Wonder Woman is like you know she's always been she's been a badass. She always um, true. and honestly, Watchmen was the first thing that I ever read for as far as a graphic novel. Right. I've never read Mouse, which we were talking about earlier. Really? Mouse, but I know Mouse, I should. I. I very Mouse good. is the comic, one of the comics I would give to people. It won the Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's very you good. You can't be. Good is an understatement. Yeah, like, good is an understatement. So for someone like me that's new to the game, what do you recommend? Where do you start? Where would you start? You definitely. Uh, Superman number one? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just that, that aged okay. But at the same time, that would be a little like it can take people out because it's so simple. Yeah. Um, if you were going to get an introduction into Superman where you know what you know from the movies, and that's where you're going to go. I would say uh, All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly. It's quite possibly the greatest Superman story I've ever read. Pure gold. Yes. You'd have to do Dark Knight Returns just because that book was such a lightning rod in the 80s, and the spinoffs from it have been so bad that it makes the book <laughs> even that much better because you realize that it really only struck once. Okay, if I was going to... Oh, oh and sorry, Mad you Man. keep going. Anything Madman. Madman is great. Yeah, anything by Mike Allred. Yes. Any Mike Allred comic yes. is great. Oh, man, if you were going to tell... I would say, uh, like I said, the best comic being printed right now is Saga. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot go wrong with that. There are three uh, hardcover collections. The third one just released, and that catches you up to what's on hiatus. There are 54 right. issues, but don't worry about that. There's softcover volumes, there's hardcover volumes, and you'll read that, and you will feel cooler for having read it. There it's so incredibly good. The The basics is there are uh, these two warring races. One lives kind of in a fantasy world. One lives in kind of a sci-fi world. And they're at war. And uh, two of them find each other, star-crossed lovers. And they have a child yeah. together. And it, it, it starts to rip the universe apart. 
but it there are characters in it like robots with televisions for heads, and there's like a Spider Woman, and I don't mean like Spider Woman superhero. <laughs> I mean not in the traditional sense. A woman with a spider body, yes, and uh, who's a, like a galactic assassin. So there's all these things, and everything in it feels incredibly cool and distilled. So check out Saga. Uh, as far as, like we said, Mouse, you yes. cannot beat Mouse. It's by Art Spiegelman. It's it's going to be read for a long time. Uh, like I said, um, this uh, my favorite thing is Monsters is probably one to jump in on. It's one about a young girl growing up in the 60s who sees herself <laughs> as a little wolfman nice. person. And she uh, her neighbor is murdered, maybe, you don't know for sure, who was a uh, Holocaust survivor in it's all done, and it looks like a girl's notebook. It's drawn like in a, a spiral-bound uh, notebook. That's like cool. it looks like lined, and all the art's done with uh, like pens and pencils. Right. Mm. It, it's it's super cool. Fun Home by Allison um, Bechdel. Uh, that has come it. up several times yes. on our podcast. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah. Then I won't. Yeah. I won't belabor. No, <laughs> no. But uh, I'm glad glad to hear someone else yes. mention that. Yeah. Perseopolis by. Marjane, I, I, I haven't seen that one. Perseopolis, it's about a girl growing up in Iran um, oh. during the Cultural Revolution and then leaving. And uh, it, it's very, it's, it's, it's often compared to Mouse in terms of uh, the level of art, right. art artistry that's okay. involved with it. Uh, like I said, Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. Yes. You want to check that out? Uh, what else do I have on here? Uh, you know, if I was going to recommend one Marvel comic, mm -hmm. I would recommend Marvels by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. Alex Ross, great, great book. It's it's a painted graphic novel. Yes, that is about. Do you want to talk about it? Go ahead. I mean, it's it's. I will. I'll just broadly put it out there, yeah, and that's I'll fantastic. let you break it down. Uh, no, it is uh, basically the Marvel universe viewed through the eyes of a photographer through their different incarnations. Uh, as time progresses, and it's beautifully, beautifully painted. It's so good, and Kurt Busiek just knocked it out of the park on the writing. But yeah, break it down. That's no, that's that's it. It follows a photographer as he goes yeah. through the Marvels, especially the '60s and the '70s. Yes, and it shows a lot of that cultural clash and cultural change that's going on. Yeah, yeah, you you know that it. it's you, so you, good. you can't beat it. But yeah, if I was going to recommend one Batman book, it would be Batman: Arkham Asylum. Ooh, by uh, Grant Morrison and Dave book. McKean. Yes, because yeah. as much as I loved, uh, I, as much as I loved Dark Knight Returns, it's so hard for me to get on board with Frank Miller because of the his that, his politics have overshadowed his politics his work. and also the way that he writes women. Yeah, it's pretty iffy. Yeah, when you just read Dark Knight Returns, you go, "Oh, okay," but then you start to realize, "Oh, all of his women are victims or yes. or these uh, super powerful sort of objectified women." They always need help. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. very it's hard to recommend, but Dark Knight Returns is very good. But I love Batman Arkham Asylum. That it's, is a good book. You see that coming out in everything now, Batman yeah. wise. So y'all need your own podcast to talk about comic books. I'm serious. That was <laughs> incredible. I can't wait Just to talk read about your Legion forever. <laughs> and ever. Yeah, sorry. Go Dude, ahead. weeks and weeks of Legion. But I am excited about your books. Thank you for bringing those, Ryan. That's really cool. Um, anything else that you guys want to add before we wrap up? Uh, you've got to have something. You should. I bet you have something. I I, I got nothing. <laughs> Just uh, head don't full read of comic thoughts. books. Give them a shot. Yeah. I was also going to say. Um, I was going to mention my kids. We read a lot of books together. Yes. And we read the classics and we read Wizard of Oz. And I, I, I love reading with my kids. 
Um, and we started reading comic books together, and I think it was a good thing. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, uh, she's she, my daughter's seven, uh, Carson. Hi, Carson, I should say, probably. <laughs> if she listens to this. Uh, she loves The Lumberjanes by Noel Stevenson. I think that's, is that Boom Studios? That is Boom. And it's it's a fantastic Very series. Good. And she loves anything by a creator named Raina Telgemeier. We first found her through the, uh, she does graphic novel adaptations of the Babysitter's Club. Ah. But she also has original. You just spoke oh. Amy's language. <laughs> Would you like to have, are we going to, can we be back next oh, week for the Babysitter's man, Club I'm podcast? I'm so excited. Because uh, things like, are really what? heating up you in the Babysitter's Club. blew my mind with the Oh, you should check them Club. out. My daughter loves these adaptations. And she also does original stuff like Sisters and Smile. And she did one called Drama and uh, Ghosts. And every one of them is absolutely amazing. Perfect for elementary school readers. Uh, highly recommended. Or almost 40-year-old readers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I read them with her, <laughs> yeah. and I really enjoyed it. That's cool. Uh, my son, uh, Hi Conley, he's he's nine. He really loved Bone by Jeff Smith. Great and that, book. He, that hasn't come up yet, but that's one of the best all-ages comics that is a great all book. of all time. Uh, I would highly recommend it. Scholastic brought it out in color. Nice. I like it in the black and white. That I'm snobby about it. Uh, I'm <laughs> but it's fantastic. And it's basically like if Calvin and Hobbes was a really long really serious really comic serious. Yeah. but it's very funny too like i don't it gets more serious as it goes but it always has a great thread of comedy in there so check out bone and bone he also enjoyed tales of the bean world by larry martyr nice carrie do you and uh, your son read comics together uh we do he uh actually carrie my my 12 year old he uh he didn't like to read at all but that was before we found out that he was dyslexic so that made things a little easier but uh you know He's my little clone, so of course, if there's an S on it, he's going to read it. So I, I did use comic books to to get him to like to read. And does it uh, help him? It really does. It really does. He went from hating to read to now he is he is in the middle of the Death of Superman omnibus, oh. which is a huge <laughs> book. But he's loving every minute of it, and that's that I feel is a win in my book for a kid oh, who hated 100%. to read. Now reading books and wanting more, like that's awesome. That's very good. That's some good dad, good dad work, right? You know, there. my my friend that teaches ESL, um, she uses comics a lot because it's it's easier for her students to see the pictures and you know see right. the drawings and and learn the English to go along with it. Um, so I think it's a great learning tool, and I I hate when people say it's not reading. Like, it, it, of course it is. Yeah. So oh yeah, totally. Um, so I'm I'm glad that you can use that as a tool for him. That's really great. Thank you both so much. Oh, my goodness, that was a lot of information. I'm going to be Sorry. writing a lot of notes. <laughs> no, it was great. From over here. Sorry about that. That's perfect. It happens. Thank you guys. Thank you again for having us. Check Me Out is recorded in the FM90 studios on the Washington Street campus of Amarillo College. Special thanks to Scotty Vanderford, Colin Lutz, and Stevie Brashears, who designed our really cool logo. Also, a huge thanks to the Mag7 for providing all of our music. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you may be listening.